Well, good morning, Cypress Bible Church. Good to see each one of you and welcome you on this beautiful Labor Day weekend morning. Uh, we'd like, also like to welcome those of you joining us online, whether that's live right now or perhaps later today or this week. We acknowledge that you are worshiping with us as well, and we are glad for that. Well, as we get started this morning, there are no shortage of ministry announcements, so let's dive right in. Uh, starting with the Kids Life Ministry, who would like to extend a very big thank you to all of the volunteers who uh, volunteered to serve in that ministry uh, this fall. Because of your uh, donation of time and talent, uh, we are able to offer these classes, which you can see on the screen. Uh, we do want to point out, point out that at the 9.30 hour, though, there are limited spaces available in the early Kids Life classrooms. So specifically, those are the nurse. Nursery pandas, nursery elephants, toddler ponies, preschool squirrels, preschool toucans, and kindergarten ducks. And let me just pause there for a moment. And if you're not familiar with early kids' life ministry, just want to point out those are, in fact, just the names of those classrooms. There are no live squirrels in with the three-year-olds. Uh, pretty sure you already knew that, but just in case our insurance company is watching. Man. Uh, but no, all kidding aside, um, those classes are limited, so they will be offered to volunteer children first, uh, the children of volunteers, and then on a first-come, first-serve first first basis for others. Um, as for Jump Kids and Journey Kids, those classes are fully open at the 9.30 hour, and then at the 11 o'clock hour, all classes are open, both in early kids' life and in elementary kids' life. So again, a thank you to our volunteers who helped make that possible. And then secondly, the men's ministry, their fall study is beginning this week, this Wednesday at 6.30. Uh, there's also a Friday, or excuse me, a Thursday morning option if that works better for your schedule. Same program, just two different times. Uh, the topic this fall is responding to the secular culture in truth and love. Uh, it's taught by our care and counseling pastor, Dave Munsinger. And if you want more information about that or you'd like to go ahead and register, you can visit our website or you can also visit the Men's Ministry Alcove, which if you're wondering where that is, just out these double doors and then down the hallway to your left on the left-hand side. So we invite you uh, to check that out. And then next, CBC 101 begins next Sunday uh, at 11 o'clock. Uh, CBC 101 is a four-week class. It meets on Sunday mornings, and it's an opportunity for people who are ready to take that next step and get to know CBC uh, uh, to participate in this class, learn a little bit more about our vision as a church, uh, more about our history a little bit. You'll have an opportunity to meet uh, senior pastor um, uh, John Bukema and his wife Amy, as well as some other uh, key leaders. And so we invite you to be a part of that. If you're ready to take the next step, learn a little bit more about CBC, uh, that starts next week. Again, it goes for four weeks. It's at 11 o'clock each Sunday morning. And to sign up for that, you can uh, call the church office during the week, or you can also visit the Grow Desk, which is located just out these doors. It's the very first desk on the left-hand side as you exit. And then finally, the CBC membership class, our next membership class, will be on Sunday, October 10th at 11 o'clock. That's the Sunday immediately following the CBC 101. And so if you are interested in becoming a member, uh, we invite you to register for that class, be a part of that class, and learn more about what that process looks like, and go ahead and take that step. And so again, that'll be on Sunday, October the 10th. And once again, if you are interested in registering for that, you can call the church office or just stop by the Grow Desk in the Commons. Well, as we prepare to worship God this morning, let us take a moment to quiet our hearts before him and quiet our minds. Uh, worship begins with a recognition of who God is and what he has done. 
Uh, or to say it another way, it begins with a recognition that we really can know God, not just know things about him or uh, things, ways we might want him to be, but actually as he actually is. It begins with a recognition of who he has revealed himself to be and that we can worship him as such. And so to help us in that this morning, uh, I invite you to consider with me these words from Psalm 97. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Would you, would you stand with us as we sing this morning?
Between what remains of me 
that is now empty. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. We've had uh, quite a bit of rain this uh, year. Um, It's made us do some things like uh, I've used to doing some outdoor activities, and there have been a number of times we had to take those outdoor activities inside. A um, week or so ago, a group of guys I um, do some sports with, it was raining. And so we went, as we've done before, to a local church and uh, played in the gym there. And uh, during uh, our time together, I, I heard the, uh, one of the doors rattling that was near me, and uh, sounded like somebody was trying to get in. So I uh, started walking toward that door to let whoever it was in, and the door opened, and a little girl peeked around into the gym. And what does she see but this big guy is a complete stranger looming in front of her. And she looks up at me, and I smiled, and I said, Hi! And a look of utter terror came over her face, and she slammed the door and left. Jesus drew little children to him. I frightened them away, apparently. That's one image. Well, this, this summer, as uh, has been typical, our, our three grandchildren came and spent a week or so with us. And that's always fun. I mean, I spend a lot of time when I have time with them. We're wrestling. We're uh, playing games. We're uh, playing in the pool together. We have a lot of fun. Uh, this summer, during their visit, there was quite a few rainy days and didn't get to spend as much time, I don't think, uh, outside. But uh, after being gone all day at work, I came home at night and it had been raining that day and they were allowed to play video games, which they're very well restricted on that. But since it was raining, they, they were allowed to play. And I walk in and instead of being mobbed with a greeting that I'm used to, no one even knew that I had arrived. So I let them know, here I am. And uh, the best I got was a high papa, and the eyes didn't even flicker away from what they were paying attention to. I 
felt a little disappointed in that. Now, of those two scenarios, let me say that uh, I suggest our experience in worship should be much more like the reaction of that little girl in the gym rather than my grandchildren. Um, That there should be some element of awe and fear. Never should there be distraction and indifference. But we know we're human. That happens. But much more, it should be in that realm of some element of awe and fear. We are now in the middle of this seven-week series on what kind of worship that God accepts. We are looking at Scripture and determining what acceptable worship is, and we're only scratching the surface of all that the Bible talks about, both in principle and in practice. Uh, And uh, we need these reminders, though. Uh, This morning, the theme is powerful. Powerful. What is it that makes worship powerful? You might think, well, it's great music, or at least music that I like. Or you might think, it's an inspiring atmosphere, or it's well-worded liturgy, or it's a big crowd, or it's a, a quiet, sacred space. And while any of those things, and many more, can be helpful, they are incidental. And I believe that Psalm 96 is instructive to us about what makes worship powerful. A couple of weeks ago in this series, we studied that account where King David dances in celebration as the Ark of the Covenant is returned to Jerusalem. And that had some things to teach us about worship, that how important it was to be passionate in our worship and how dangerous it was to be an observer, a bystander in worship. Well, as part of David's praise to God in that day, he wrote a song, or he else had a song written for him. And it's recorded in 1 Chronicles 16, one of the ways in which that, uh, that whole scenario is played out. That, that song is recorded in its entirety in 1 Chronicles 16. But many of those lyrics are here in Psalm 96 as well. There are four sections of this psalm that we are going to deal with uh, rather briefly this morning. But... Um, I want you to see four truths about God that make worship powerful. As we go through each of these sections, see a truth about God that makes worship powerful. And understand what that means. Derek Kidner, the Old Testament scholar, comments that Psalm 96 shows us that when it comes to praising God, nothing, he said, should be listless, introverted, or stale. I think that's true. So how can we avoid worship that is listless, introverted, or stale? How can we avoid worship that is lethargic and indifferent? Here are four truths about God that speak to powerful worship. The first is this, that our God has global reach. The first section, verses 1-3. to three. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. Tell His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. All right, so we must sing, surely. That is uh, very much a part of worship, Old and New Testament. 
And of course, the Lord deserves new songs. Let me have you think about that for a moment. Not all new songs are worth singing, but we need to keep trying as we discover fresh expressions of the glory of God, that those fresh expressions need to come forth in song. So never resent learning new songs. That needs to be something that we uh, should do. Uh, the song Waymaker is one that we've done here a number of times. And uh, in June of 2020, it became the number one song used in worship services. Now, whether or not you appreciate that song Waymaker, you might not even recognize it from just me saying the title. I know that many of you appreciate it. I know some of you don't appreciate it because I've heard from all of you on that. But let me just share with you something that you might not know about that song. That it was written by a Nigerian woman. Like in Nigeria. And she's the first African not the first African woman, the first African to top the Christian song charts. And what that makes me realize is how very, very few songs and hymns we sing from other nations. That's a tragedy. Uh, I think that's much different than what we have declared here. God did not make known His salvation and glory for you alone. He didn't make His salvation and glory known for me alone. He didn't make it for your ethnic group alone. He didn't make it for your country alone. He did it with a view to the nations. The Hebrew word here is goyam. The nations. All the nations. And there are 195 countries, nations in our world. And we must declare to them the truth about God's glory and His works and His salvation. And tell of His salvation, this passage says, not only among the nations, Goyem, but also among all the peoples, Amin, the peoples. That's different. There are at least, it's the, the lowest number, 11,934 different people groups in the world. Now, the people, these can be counted differently, but that's the lowest number that's agreed upon. There are higher ones as well. But 11,934, let's round up to 12,000. Sadly, less than one half of those people groups are reached. In other words, the majority of those people groups are unreached, meaning there's no indigenous group of Christians able to engage these people with the good news of Jesus. And this psalm calls us to declare the goodness of God to all of them, all the goyem, all the amin. Leave none out. Music and missions go together for the glory of God. And as we know, the One who is Lord over all the earth, whose glory and mighty acts are incomparable, we sing a new song, a new song that reaches the world. We've tasted, we've seen that this God is worthy of blessing. We're exhilarated to know Him and to sing to Him and call the world to sing with us to Him. You were made for this if you're a child of God. I mean, all of you who say from the heart, Jesus is Lord. When you confess Him as King of the universe, you join in this movement that has significance beyond all and every dream you could have. One missiologist says that to belong to Jesus 
is to embrace nations for which He died and for which He will rule. That your heart was made for this and you will always be a serious, there will always be a serious or mild sickness in your soul until you embrace this global calling. I like that. That there's always going to be some kind of a, a little sickness in your soul until you embrace the global calling, the message of the good news. Recognizing that God's reach is global makes worship powerful. The second truth is that our God has no equal. That's easily understood. Verses 4-6. to six. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. So the Lord, and that's the name for God used throughout this psalm, The Lord is no petty, minor, tribal deity. The word translated idols, by the way, is a pun on one of the great Hebrew names for God, Elohim. It plays off of that in a pun. And it declares that these idols, it indicates something that is weak and worthless. Compared with the Lord, these are non-entities. Yahweh alone is God. All others are fakes. Not times throughout our history, Israel was surrounded by foreign gods who seemed more successful at that moment than Yahweh. And this psalm reminds Israel that their God is supreme over all gods, despite whatever difficult circumstances they might be in. We, you and I, are also surrounded by idols. Constantly and in every way. Every single one of us is tempted to worship other gods. And we, from time to time, hopefully, and not continually bow to these other gods, whether they be the gods of success and stuff, or status, or acceptance, or family, or money, or politics, or social media influence. These are all the kinds and many more of these lesser deities that clamor for our attention. And they may seem more successful than a crucified Jew who walked the earth 2,000 years ago. So we need to be reminded of His greatness. Now where are we reminded that our God has no equal? Where? Two places. Notice them. In the heavens and in the sanctuary. That's, That's where we learn our God has no equal. In the heavens, in the sanctuary. So... In the heavens, look at the universe and see His majesty in all that He has made. Creation surrounds us with evidence of His royal glory. In the sanctuary. Come to the sanctuary, the worship gathering of His people. And for there you will hear, you will experience His strength and beauty, it says. The sights and sounds of God at work among His people. Together we can sing and we can read and we can refresh our minds with the truth that He alone is God and there is no other. And as we declare that He has no equal, which we do in song and reading and sermon, as we declare that, it empowers worship. Third truth, that our God is worthy of fear. 
So these are truths that call us to a powerful worship. And this is not one that you might hear very often, but here it is, verses 7 to 9. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Now there are several things that I could focus on here, but I want to take your attention simply to that word translated tremble. The Hebrew word is kaul. And it's used to describe somebody who's wounded. And I don't mean psychologically, emotionally, or relationally. Somebody who's been wounded, who's in fear, who's in agony. And for example, it is twice, two different accounts used in the account where King Saul and his sons lead Israel into battle against that, the Philistine army. One army against another. But the Philistines prevail. They're winning the day. And Israel, the army of Israel, runs away. They don't retreat in a nice order. They run away because they're being defeated. And the Philistines kill many, many Israelite soldiers as they flee. Saul, the king, and his sons, the princes, are being chased. Obviously, they're a high-value target. The Philistines kill the three sons of Saul on the battlefield that day. One of them being Jonathan, the great friend of David, who would be Israel's next king. Saul's sons are killed, and then Saul himself, the king, is surrounded, and an archer shoots him. And Saul was ka'ul, that is, Mortally wounded by the arrow. He's in great pain. Kaul describes a twisting, writhing, twirling anguish. Kaul before him, all the earth. That's not a response to God that's encouraged much today. More often, God is presented as some friendly sky buddy there to serve our needs. A gentle genie who comes when we summon Him. A loving grandparent who dotes on us. But if we ascribe, which by the way simply means to give, if we give God what He is due, if we know who He is in glory and strength and holiness, we also will tremble before Him in addition to celebrating and praising Him. And that attitude will inform and inspire our worship. And we will bring an offering, as the psalm talks about, recognizing His authority that causes us to writhe in respect before an awesome God in fear and wonder. I listen to podcasts whenever I can, and after having it recommended to me many, many times, I started last week, or the week before, I guess, listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, uh, a very popular podcast, uh, and I would recommend it to you. Uh, Mars Hill was uh, one of, or if not the largest church in the United States up until uh, 2014 when uh, it all fell apart, and uh, this podcast, I think there are eight 
uh, parts to it chronicles that fall, and it's worth listening to. But uh, this, this huge evangelical church and its movement did some great things besides the fall. They did some great things. And just in listening to this, James, James Harleman was a, a, a young man who began attending. And what he was drawn to the most was the, the powerful biblical preaching that was happening. Sermons an hour long from the text of Scripture applied directly to his life. And he tells early on of a life-changing moment that happened. On his way home from one of those services, James just started crying. Because he realized it was the first time that he had been taught about a God who was overwhelming, he said. First time. He said, I'd heard more of a sales pitch from pastors that Jesus is knocking, let him in and you get a good deal. He said, but this was not that. This was less than make a decision and more bow in submission. Bow in submission because our God is holy and awesome and other. So to understand the Lord's authority and glory will bring you to a point of worship. And you will bring to Him anything but indifference when you understand that. Tremble before the Lord. That's the third. Fourth, our God is coming to judge. Verses 10-13. to Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for He is coming. For He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. 20 years ago, the Democratic Republic of the Congo was descending into chaos and civil war. And Ima was a man who witnessed many, many atrocities there against his friends and against his family. And so Ima and his wife and their three daughters fled the Congo on foot. And it took them many weeks before they arrived in Uganda as refugees, and they had nothing. Nothing. They lived a miserable existence in one room, the five of them together, with no running water, no electricity, and only enough money to buy one meal every two days. During that period of time, Ima met a pastor named Mark Maynell and told Pastor Mark about the violence and the injustice that he had seen in his home country. And then Ima, as he told this story, did what African men never do in public. He began to cry. He openly wept. And then Ima said this, I could never believe the Gospel if it were not for the judgment of God. Because I'll never get justice in this world. But I couldn't cope if I was never ever going to see justice done. We need God's perfect justice it inspires our worship the the theme is is joy over the coming judgment of god how can that be the whole theme of this psalm leads to this ending the hope of the lord's coming 
And notice that it talks about the Lord reigning both now, in the present, and in the future. Both of those aspects are here in this psalm. So how how is this possible? First of all, it says God rules all history now. And yet that seems to be difficult to believe when we look around and there's so much unrighteousness and violence and injustice and inequity. But the Lord rules. How? In that total evil is kept in check. Because God's control of history. There's restraint now. And also, some judgment happens now. Some justice happens now. Both through law enforcement and the courts and through God's direct intervention now. He doesn't judge all sin now, but there is some that comes through from time to time. Certainly the discipline of His children. So that's the present. But this ends with that second aspect that the Lord will rule in the future. The judgment to come. Justice then will be complete and total and righteous. One historian said that in the ancient world, judges usually needed to be bribed to get the result that was necessary. And that right judgment was exceedingly hard to come by, this historian said, for the weak and the poor and the disadvantaged. I'm not sure how much things have changed in our world today. But there's a day coming when evil will be punished and those who have been victimized will be vindicated. Now the greatest act of justice has already taken place. All of us, every single one of us, deserves the the judgment and the wrath of God for our sin. For all of us have fallen short of His glory. We deserve His utter judgment. But God in His great love and mercy sent His Son into this world to be our Savior. The perfect Jesus took our sin on Himself, on His own body, and He became the perfect sacrifice, dying the death I deserve to die. And so that all who transfer their trust to Him are set free from the death penalty of sin and given new life. And that salvation surely is cause for joyful worship. Surely. I was asked recently, do you think it's important? Do you, do you tell the Gospel in every sermon? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a cause, the basis of our worship and praise. To know that we, there is salvation in one name only through Jesus and His death for us. But there is another cause for joyful worship. And that is to look forward to the day when the righteous judge returns. And every wrong that you and I have seen, heard of, or experienced will come before the all-powerful King of the universe. And it's either been dealt with through the sacrifice of Christ for those who have depended upon Him, or they will pay for their own sin. And so, what should be our response to this King? It should be to rejoice. To be glad to anticipate the day when He completes His work, to know that the Lord reigns. So brothers and sisters, let our reverence for this King compel worldwide mission, devoted worship, 
holy awe, joyful expectation. The antidote to dull formality and empty ritual is a hopeful faith which looks to the King who was and who is and who is to come. The Lord is returning to exercise His kingly rule over the world in righteousness and truth. He will restore all things. This is a cause for joy. Powerful worship comes as you bow before the Lord who reigns. We're going to celebrate both the King who came in glory and the One who is returning in a moment through communion. And as we prepare to do that, will you pray with me? Lord, we want to declare that You do reign today. That this is not something that was simply only true in the past or not simply something that will be true in the future, but You are God over this universe and there is no one beside You. So Lord, help us to understand more of who You are and celebrate Your greatness because You are worthy of our praise. We thank You for the privilege of being able to remind ourselves of this as we eat the bread and drink the cup together. Be honored in what we do now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. As we do prepare for this time of communion, please uh, join us, stand and sing with us as we sing this communion hymn together.
of this moment if you would just peel off that top seal for the bread and be prepared in a moment what i'm going to ask you to do luke would you continue to to play that softly for us and i would like you if you like me have had a week of busyness and distraction and temptation and trouble doesn't that sound like every week it's every week And this moment is one in which we recognize what God has done for us in Christ. And so, even if you've already done this and prepared, would you take a moment with me and just silently confess to the Lord those ways in which you've fallen short in your doubts and fears and failures and confess them in Jesus' name and know His forgiveness. And then we will take and eat and drink together in remembrance of him. Just take this moment of silence, please. Lord, I recognize that our sin and failure, my sin and failure is not too great for your grace and mercy. Lord, we don't want to presume upon your grace and take it for granted. So Lord, as we confess our sin, we know and declare that you are faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because who among us is worthy to participate in this holy event, but through the 
sacrifice of the Savior, we are made holy. So Lord, receive our praise as we remember you in this way. The Gospels tell us that as Jesus and his disciples were eating that last supper, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Let us eat. Then he took the cup, and we had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I will tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So today, as we celebrate the Lord's table, we recognize both what he has done in the past and what he promises will be true in the future as well. Let us drink in honor of him. Amen. Thanks be to God. We close this morning celebrating this powerful, strong God, worthy of our tremble, worthy of our worship. Would you sing with us this morning as we close?
fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. Feel free to come and share a request with them. Allow them to pray with you and for you. And now let me pronounce over you a benediction. Uh, understanding that we have a mighty fortress. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. God bless you. Go in peace.